Hello and welcome to Sound Waves, the official podcast of the Ellen MacArthur Cancer Trust. I'm gonna get it out of the way. I love this episode. And I can say that because I'm not really in it. There are amazing people out there who donate to the Trust monthly, and we call them Friends of the Trust. Friends of the Trust, by donating monthly, offer young people long-term support, which in turn leads to making a long-term difference to those young people's lives. So we thought, wouldn't it be nice if a friend of the trust could sit down with someone who's benefited from that long-term support and who feels that friends of the trust have made a long-term difference to their life. And it was nice. It was really, really nice. At the time of recording, Josh had been on three trips and had most recently taken part in Round the Island race with the Trust, joining Dame Ellen herself on board. Since then, he's completed his training to become a volunteer with the Trust, and we are so glad to have him as part of our awesome volunteer community. He spoke with Stuart, a friend of the Trust who has been donating monthly since 2014. I had never properly spoken to Stuart before sitting in on this conversation, really, so most of what I know about him, you're about to find out too. He is a generous person through and through, and exceptionally good company. What I had hoped to get out of this, and what Josh had hoped to get out of this, was to communicate to Stuart the difference he was making, but I could not have imagined what this conversation turned out to be. A shorter version of this conversation appears in this year's edition of the Trust's annual magazine, Inspire, which will be out in the next few weeks. But this is the whole thing, and I hope you feel as privileged as I did to sit in on it. Yeah, it's um, it's, it's good of you to talk to us, Josh, because, uh, right enough, um, I have been a, a, a long-term supporter of, of, the, of the Trust, but... Um, no matter whether, you, uh, you know, all the efforts they make to be in, not inclusive, that's too strong a word, but, um, you know, you, you get the, the paper bits come through and that type of thing. But um, I find what uh, Scott has put together, um, this, is, um, is it's nice to have um, direct feedback, you know, I, I mean... I know when I, I see um, things on Facebook, when um, a child is either going off on a trip or coming back from a trip, I always try to put some sort of um, comment there, you know. They don't know me, but um, I just, I like what happens in the, in the trust and I, and I like to show my appreciation, but I like to do it in a, in a sort of like positive, constructive way, actually to the persons themselves, because to be honest, I don't think maybe they realize the level of care that, that we feel, you know, mm. not, it's not just fiscal, you know, it's just not money. Yeah. It, um, maybe I'm getting over emotional, but um, we do care about them because uh, mm. they're important and they've, life is tough. Life is tough, but um, if you overlay a conditions like you folks have got to put up with, then that makes life even more tough. Yeah, this certainly won't be a polished marketing brochure coming through your uh, coming through your letterbox. So, <laughs> but no, I, I mean, I, I was fortunate this year. Um, when was it? It was June. I did the round the island race in the Isle of Wight. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I was fortunate by luck more than anything. I ended up, Ellen joined us for a couple of days. Oh, wicked. So, yeah. So uh, that was just like, you know, I've, I met her on my first trip and I was like, oh, okay, you know. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I asked her a really bad question. Um, it'd always been a debate in the family. Had Ellen taken any stimulants to not, to like, <laughs> like we all thought, hey, oh, you know, there <laughs> yeah. must be some help caffeine tablets or something a bit more yep. you know like second world war fighter pilots used to take certain stimulants and yeah. and that putting it very politely uh, <laughs> and i remember asking her and she was like no it was just the fear of dying and that was the only <laughs> i was like oh fair enough and, and that was the only kind of interaction i ever had with her yeah and then when i went back to do the round the island race this year we were just there and i'd whatever happened i was on a different boat than i expected and then they're like oh yeah ellen's gonna be with you today and tomorrow i was like oh okay and you know it, it was just cool that you know the name's above the door but she actually turned up got stuck in she makes a really good cup of coffee actually really yeah. it's, it's it's really nice to to get to to know the the, the person behind the name isn't it and yeah. i mean um i went to some uh well, Sheila, my wife, she came with me. We went to the BT Tower in London for um, a fundraising thing. And you could meet, you could be there for breakfast. And we went up to the big restaurant and um, there was uh, some folks with, with trays of drinks and that type of thing as we walked in. And um, I, I asked the girl with, with the tray, I said, how does it all work? You know, I said, um, you know, does, does she make a speech? Does other people make speeches? And what goes on and do we get to meet her? Oh, you want to meet her? So the next minute she took me by the elbow and like, you know, a knife through butter, we're going through the, the crowd with me in tow and all of a sudden I'm standing in front of Ellen, you know, and my my three remaining gray cells were saying, look, Leslie, this is, you're in front of someone who you've admired, you know, for, for many, many years by her expression, she's obviously expecting you to say something. <laughs> and uh, I finally blurted out something. And, but um, later, I asked her if we could have a, a photo and, uh, and, and she, she agreed. And, and just prior to that, I'd read all her books mm. and there was one particular point when she was in the Southern Ocean and she was, um, She'd been deprived of sleep for three days. Mm. And she said that a sort of insanity um, creeps in when, when you're deprived of sleep. And um, the autopilot um, takes uh, inputs from certain sensors on the boat. Mm. And, one of, and, and she needs that to, to live because, uh, you know, she, she, can't live, she can't sail the boat forever by herself. And of course, which one goes duff? The one on the top of the mast. Mm. So, you know, she and she writes very graphically and you find she's talking about 80 foot waves and then you've got an 80 foot mast on top of that. So when she's up the top of it, she's on like a 160 foot windscreen wiper, you know? Yeah. And, and, and she gets up the top and she's forgotten something. She, she's back down the bottom of the mast again. She's lashed herself to it. And I said, and she's got to steal herself, find the resolve to get back up again. And I said, how, how, how do you manage this? And, and you know how she's quite small. And she yeah. looks up at me and she says, 
Well, that's just got to man up and get on with it. <laughs> and I was, I was young, and I flipping burst out laughing, and she burst out laughing at me laughing. <laughs> so it, it was a lovely, lovely moment. But yeah, yeah, no, it was um, it was amazing. Even doing the race that we had um, another skipper with us, um, who was actually in charge of the boats. So Ellen was just there as a helping hand, and the minute we crossed the start line of the race. It was like the whole boat changed. Ellen was like, we got, we've got to come first of all the boats on out of the trust. Yeah, it was literally like her and the, her and the skipper, oh, um, can't think of his name. Um, and literally it was like a switch in them both that went, we're racing now, different rules. Yeah. yeah. It was quite, I mean, for me, it was great. I was like, yeah, if you're going to do it, you want to at least beat the other trust boats. But I think we came, I think we came mid, mid through the pack of the same in the, category, uh, the class which I think was quite good going. Um, but it, it was just so much fun. Um, and yeah, that was my, my final trip and it was quite a highlight. So uh, yeah, just doing the paperwork to come back as a, a volunteer next year. So is, is, that, is that in your sort of blue sky thinking? You, you know, is that, is that what you want to do? You, you want to stay involved with the trust and move yeah. on? Put something back in, that type of thing? Yeah, very much the kind of both selfishly, it's a fun thing to do, but also to kind of give that's the number one, right? Selfishly, it's good. Number two, you know, it's it's going to be nice to give back and kind of, you know, the mixture of people on the trip with the grad volunteers as well as the skippers and, and then the first mates and that it kind of, you know, they help enable the trip to run so smoothly. So you kind of if. I feel like by going back, I'm going to help give back in that sense. And then, yeah, I ideally eventually, you know, get, the, well, the pipe dream is to be 40 or something, sell everything up, get a boat and then just, you know, cast away and wherever it ends up, it ends up. Good for you. Can I ask Josh, when you were on your first trip, do you remember if there was people like yourself who, you know, had been through cancer and then they were volunteering as well? Like, was that, did that have any sort of impact on you and having them there and you could see, oh, that could be me one day? Yeah, I, th I think it's also that they're kind of that bridging gap between, oh, they kind of know what to expect or whatever uh, and kind of, you know, they've. it's almost like that gap between management and sounds really cynical, but management and then you've kind of got your your little, little boss who kind of goes, oh, no, you're probably better off doing that or, uh, you probably don't want to be out in your shorts today, which is what I got quite a lot. It's like, oh, it's going to be cold today. You probably don't be in your shorts. Nah, it'll be fine. And then an hour later, I'm like, no, I need my overalls on. Um, so, no, it's, it's really good how they kind of, because also there's kind of that, I guess they also get the peer peership out of it as well. Um, but it's nice how that kind of balance between, you know, they're kind of there to pick up the smaller things rather than, uh, I guess the skippers and that who are more concerned about health and safety. I, I'd argue the others are a little bit, the grad volunteers are a little bit more fun focused. Mm. Um, so mm. it, it's a nice balance on the boats and, you know, ha and it makes it, I think it probably maybe relaxes it a little bit more because you can kind of go, uh, you know, there's that more long-term program of it. it's not just three, three or four trips. You kind of go, you know, if I don't screw up too bad or I'm not too much of a bad person, there's always the opportunity to come back uh, and, that, and that's what's quite nice. It kind of creates longevity. Mm. 
Hmm. When when you say there's there's a balance, you mean the balance between um, like the the kids who are on board because they've been invited to be on board and the volunteers themselves. Yeah, that, there's kind of a, a slight. I guess there's a so like this last trip, one of the the volunteers, the first mate, it was his first ever trip he'd ever volunteered on, and he was trying to. You could tell he was trying to find that balance between you know, how sensitive are people uh, just find that that line between and I guess having the grad volunteers are kind of they can bridge that gap between they've got the experience, but equally they've got the lived experience of cancer. So they kind of bridge that gap between, you know, everyone and kind of, yeah, possibly relax the atmosphere because like this, this volunteer, you could I think his child, um, his son had cancer and he sailed most of his life and he just it was trying to find that line between you know being safe but equally you know mm. the banter on the trips is from an outsider looking in could probably look quite um what's a polite way quite um crude at times and quite you know open and I think it's that that you know everyone's kind of got their part to play in the trip and mm. I think without each element it wouldn't be the same mm. I so think when you say Sorry, Stuart, when just saying says things like crude, I think you mean not offensive. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> uh, more in terms of like a, a dark sense of humor because people laugh about cancer yeah. quite openly in a way that you wouldn't do with friends who don't no. know what that's like. Yeah. 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 No, nothing abusive or anything, just you know, <laughs> a bit dark. No, it's 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 black humor, isn't it? And uh, I know people at the sharp end, like paramedics and and firemen and police and and you know service people, which I make service as well. I know we all use black humor, but um, I think that the the thing with black humor is it doesn't work anywhere else. You can't bring it back into the household because they just don't understand. Because some of it can be quite deep, and um, on the face of it, um, as Scott has alluded to, could almost feel offensive, but it's. It's a pressure, pressure relief. Mm. It, were your conditions mentioned quite much or was the focus on sailing rather than, you know, your, 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 your conditions yourselves? So I, I, it's very much that mm. different people are more open about it, that there's the environment there to very much open up and you can kind of tell everyone if you want to, but equally, you know, there's no pressure to and, I think as a as I've gone on multiple trips, it's kind of the openness to show, yeah, no, this is what went on. And I guess because everyone's got a very unique pathway, you could even have. I know I've never, I've only ever once found someone else with the same cancer as me, um, but and that was through uh, a different charity. But even on the trips, you can have two people who've had the same cancer but a very different pathway. And I mm -hmm. think that's what the more I think it's more not so much the what cancer it was more the treatment people have had uh, and that side of things that you know people talk about more than the kind of actual direct cancer impact I think it's also that the realization that people aren't whereas in most people's circles they're the they're the kid who had cancer or the young person that had cancer whereas in that environment oh well everyone's got that there's that camaraderie of it that it's a bit more of a less superficial conversation about the impact of it more of a oh that was pretty um 
rough to put it politely how, you know how did you find this or how did you cope with that or what's the long-term implications a bit more rather than just kind of the headlines of it mm. um, which I don't I haven't found outside of the trust that you kind of get that and it's I guess that camaraderie and that kind of joint journey even though everyone's journey is individual it's still very collective and, and you know no one's ever pressured into talking about it but you probably find during the day you may have the odd touch on it and then in the evenings probably playing a game of cards or something someone will make a joke and that will kind of open up the the nest of yeah. of the problems that underlie and people then just a bit more open and, and I think the skippers as well obviously most of them do multiple trips they kind of know if it's getting a bit too out of hand or someone's looking uncomfortable they'll quite quickly you know go okay mm. let, let's let's move on and leave it um but mm. equally you know it's pretty open um and it, there's some funny stories that have come out of it I, I can imagine i can imagine were you conscious that you were changing yourself and the other people did you notice other people changing or was it more in retrospect after the, the voyage was finished it, it was probably more retrospectively than kind of back in back into my normal kind of day-to-day i was like oh actually you know I felt more open there and I felt that actually it was a, a safer space or that people, it was more, more about people being better understanding and less, I guess, you know, when you start telling people and friends and that, there's that headline of death and disaster for almost to put it quite bluntly. And then in there, in the tri- trips and that, it's kind of like, oh, actually, you know, we've all been through it. It's kind of, you know, the more on the positive, side of it rather than the the kind of the the sadder side of it I guess mm-hmm. and, and that's what's quite nice so it's a lot more positive than all doom and gloom. Did you feel you know when you started out on it I mean I'm interested in what actually was the catalyst of Josh thinking well I think maybe SEAL training could help me you know is was it a bit of self-analysis of yourself that you felt as if I needed something? It, it was kind of a two-prong. Like, I sailed a little bit as a child, like, when I was... Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, a few summers, I, I was fortunate. My uh, aunt and uncle owned a boat in Chicago, and so a few couple summers spent over there. And it was always, like, I've, I always known that I've loved water and that. And then um, it was a click sergeant. My social worker was, like, she was determined to get me on one of these... Mm-hmm. there's a few other tri- uh, kind of trusts that do different things and yes. she was she was like oh no we're gonna get you on one I think that was a challenge it was like whatever happens because I'm very much anti-forced fun and all that kind of like exactly. I'm, I'm out at that point yeah, I know that. She, she had it determined that I was gonna sign up for something <laughs> she wasn't letting me out of it and then it was kind of like I, I know this sounds bad and it was like oh okay what here's your options you can go to a residential thing or you can go sailing and I was like oh okay we'll give sailing a go you know it's only five days worst case scenario and it can't be it can't be too forced if you're out in the water and that you're kind of away from it and then I came back and she's like oh how was it and I didn't stop talking about it and she was like now do you see my point I'm like no 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 your point doesn't stand yeah <laughs> but so yeah no it was very I say forced, it wasn't forced at all, but it was kind of that, it wasn't something I was actively looking for because at that point um, I was kind of like, oh no, everything's fine, kind of switch yeah. back to normal life. Yeah. 
and back yeah. to work and that, which probably wasn't the smart on reflection now i'm like eh, that probably wasn't the smartest of things to do and then you know having left then come back off the trust then i think i finished the trip in the october or september and then in the december i started um therapy because of kind of like mm, you know and other people on the trust trips had said you know maybe it's not some poison that you have to drink you know it's very much something that might benefit you and from the trust trip then i kind of started to think actually you know mental well-being is probably a little bit more important than i believed it being non-existent mm, mm. so yeah it was quite quite eye-opening in that sense and yeah i'm glad i went on that first trip now or was arm wrestled in to go in on it um because it's a lot more positives to come there's no negative downside to it so uh, yeah no i'm very glad i went on it so what made you first kind of get involved with being a long-term support of the trust and that I love the sea. Yeah. And um, sea, the sea's always been good for me in, um, in good times and bad times when I was going through my divorce. You know, I used to, I live in, in Bridport and I, I used to end up down at West Bay. And um, I felt just the waves coming in and out, you know, they used to take, it was almost as if they have taken a snippet of tension away with them and, Sometimes, to be to be honest, I used to pick up rocks and give them names and throw them as far as I could into the sea and stuff like that. So, it's been good for me. But and I um, <clears throat> I got in contact with a plumber who worked from us with us. Um, he was he was part of the Ocean Youth Trust. He used to do their um, all their sort of um, testing on the um, on the gas, you know, the gas cookers and all yeah. that sort of thing, and and say with them. So um, I went down and um, had a trip with them, but uh, I was disappointed in a way because I felt I was a decade a decade too late, you know, that um, I was too old. I didn't have any. Um, you know, sailing experience. So, um, and I, I supported them for a while, but then there was, I've always, as I said before, I've always um, admired Ellen and I've read all her books and and it, it's, it's, it just seemed that um, she was, uh, the, the trust was in a sort of embryo stage. Mm. And I felt, um, I just felt that I could, I could um, do something, you know, and at that time, it was just being, uh, you know, given money. But uh, I had my 75th birthday party and um, I made that. A, we had a big blast with about 150 people there. And, yeah. and I made it part of you turning up that you had to give some money to Dame Ellen. So um, we made a few bob on that and uh, brought it down to the Isle of Wight. And I met a few. I met. Is it Frank? Yeah. Yeah. And a couple of the um, volunteers who were brilliant. I mean, Sheila came down with me as well, and we passed over the check, and and it further cemented what I felt. I mean, they seemed a happy crew in the office at that time, and 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 it just um, and being on the um, the John Lang with which was the previous boat before the prolific with the OYT, even the short time that I was with them. I could tell from the, the, the watch leaders and the volunteers 
how much it gave to um, those people who were on it, whether they were, you know, children with, you know, life life threatening conditions or whatever, or um, you know, servicemen with post traumatic stress, you know, um, and paraplegics and that type of thing. So, the benefits of being at sea in a boat, as you've alluded to, became quite obvious, and it 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 it, it felt it it became very clear that was something that um, I wanted to support, and uh, you know, even with the feedback that um, I get from the trust, I still believe it it works, and and just listening to you, I mean, your enthusiasm and what you've quite obviously got from it. Is um, makes it even more uh, apparent to me that it is it's a good thing that it that it does work. I, th- I think also what helps it's is that kind of perfect size between of of a charity or trust that you know it, it's small enough that it can remain dynamic in the sense adjust to things very quickly, but equally you know it's large enough and it has a large enough impact that actually you know. There's significant people I've done uh, different things with different charities in that with, and they're like, "Oh, have you ever done a, an Ellen trip?" I'm like, "Yeah," and they're like, "Oh, what is it like?" I'm I'm not sure I'm doing it. It's it's kind of interesting through different avenues that you mm. know within the, the wider scheme of things that actually people then look at it and go, "Oh, okay, you've done one. I wasn't sure, you know. I'm now going to do one," and it's interesting. And then what also helps is that. There's, there's development beyond just the kind of the, the short term stuff. I think if you start to look at the amount of people who have gone on trips and then have then either gone into sailing in a career setting or in a different setting. And then even some of them, I believe there's some of the I think there's one nurse that was previously a um, sailed with the trust then got. Um, qualified as a nurse and then, then has come back as a volunteer and, and I think is it uh, and I think one of the skippers is similar as well and it's like long-term impact of such a small relatively small team when you take it in the, the wider scheme of things it's quite amazing the impact it has on so many people and I, and I, I mean I take it to work that such a small team can have so much impact and so when we're having meetings at work, I'm like, guys, you're just inventing work for yourselves. If I always have it in the back of my head, like such a small team can have so much impact. And even at work, you know, what are we playing at when there's a load of us and we're, we're doing very little output? Um, so I, I think there's so many different avenues that it benefits people. I know certainly other people have been on the trips that have kind of then gone back home and then, gone on to go to university when they weren't sure because they were worried about making new friends or uh-huh. gone on to be more confident in job interviews That's it's because I guess everyone's thrown in a very tight confined yeah. area and become friends very quickly and I think that kind of gives a lot of people confidence that they're a not alone but equally that they can make friends again they can get on with their life again outside of it I mean, it's kind of a very quick, I guess it's throwing everyone out of their comfort environment. Mm. Um, and then suddenly people come back from the trips. I mean, I was fortunate this year. It was perfect timing for me in a professional capacity. I just literally came back off the trip, 
then I had my first board meeting at a new company that I just joined. So it was perfect timing that I was kind of riding this high, which then kind of helped me um, in my board, in at work, in the board meeting and that. I was like, you know, it was perfect time. It was a great week. Um, but it's, it's amazing how it carries through in that sense into deeper things beyond just the, the set, just sailing or just a very short term impact. It, it's quite, I find it, yeah, every time I get an email from the trust, it's like, oh, time to sail with them again. It's like, seeing a long lost cousins getting back together for Christmas. Yeah. Yes. It's, yeah. It's a family. Yes. Yeah. No, Very I, much so. Yeah. And, and, and in, in that way, it, it almost brings you like um, family feelings of, of, of support and people that, because your mum knows you, your dad knows you and, and your, your siblings know you and therefore they know the type of um, support that you need. Yeah. And um, and you don't have to explain it either because you probably don't want to explain it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it, it almost as if it acts like a catalyst for other things. It goes beyond what sailing and yeah. recovery from your condition. It, it, it branches out into um, into real life as well. Yeah. We uh, I, I think there's that also that, you know, if the trust know of a different charity that can help you in a in another capacity or in another way that they're, they're not you know they're not trying to be everything to everyone they're like um one of the blokes on my first trip he'd got cancer whilst serving in the army and so he's at 21 suddenly what he'd spent a few years dreaming of and becoming his army career just stopped almost overnight and then they were like he sailed with them and then they're like well we know of this other charity that might be able to help you more than we can because they've got a bit more specialised kind of um, aftercare than, than what we can provide you, you mm. know. And I think that's it's very self-reflective of the trust to be like many other places would be like, no, 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 we can help you. And actually they kind of said, yeah, keep sailing with us. But equally, these guys can are more tailored to helping you than we are. And I think that's that's really important because it just shows again the trust actually, the trust is important, but actually the, the people it takes care of over time are the most important thing, and which was quite fascinating to me because you think of it from a business perspective, not that we're customers, but equally we are in a sense. Um, and to kind of go, you know, someone else can help you as well, I think it's quite, quite impressive and self-reflective of the trust. It's quite interesting what you say because I hadn't really thought of the trust being so, I'm using the wrong words, analytical or definitive about you folks in that they can see what you need. Yeah. Getting back to the family thing again, that um, they obviously, through you sailing with them, they get to know you as individuals, but yeah. they obviously get to know you collectively because there must be a common theme yeah. Okay, there'll be subtleties with each individual, but there are common things that people that, like yourselves who are in the situation that you are need this sort of um, immediate uh, care, but also some ideas about how to progress from this as well, yeah. which uh, I hadn't thought about before. Hadn't thought about before. There's a. F this is going to sound really silly. Um, Lucy at the Trust who arranges the southern trips and it's 
I speak to her maybe once a year, you know, when she phones to say, you know, you're all ready to go and that. And what was really weird, the first time she saw, obviously saw my dress and it turned out she'd either lived in the same villages that I lived in or her parents did or whatever. And ever since then, like immediately, anytime you speak to her, and I, from what I understand, everyone's the same. The minute they speak to her, it's like she knows exactly where everyone is, what they're doing or that. And, and I just think how many people she must phone in a day, yet there's the time there and the kind of the care to kind of, remember oh yeah you know josh lives there to the point where she's like oh when i spoke to her bear in mind that covid had been in the middle and she was like oh is that shop still there in the village i was like yeah it is and she's like oh okay i've always wondered that and i it was like straight off the bat i was like how does she unless she's got a massive notebook where she just takes notes uh, on every conversation but that's kind of it's very individual and all the staff seem to remember people's names, which always amazes me because I'm rubbish with names. Um, me too. And that's the skipper from the first trip. She remembered my name and I was like, which I always find it amazing. It's the small touches that I think they, they really get right. And I think that's the hard part that to, I don't know, Scott, you probably know the numbers on how many uh, people go through the trust each year and that, but I find it, my experience is it's all very personal and very individual even to sorting out the travel arrangements for different people. It, my trip happened to happen with all the rail trucks. So I was like, oh, I'll drive down to Southampton. Uh, just give me, give me a heads up where you'd recommend parking because I, I want a car to come back to. And before I knew it, they'd all sorted out car parking and all of that. And I was like, it's not what I was particularly looking for. I just wanted a place to put my car that it, I had a car to come back to, you know. Um, it's stuff like that. Um, it goes beyond just going, yeah, you know, we're here to help. They actually, you know, at every stage they make it as easy for everyone to attend as possible, you know, and I guess it almost becomes, I know Ellen was saying that when we were on the trips, um, on the trip, she was like, I was like, her vision is that it almost becomes self-propelling at some point. It, it can just kind of keep moving itself forward in helping people. And that was something I found interesting. I even asked Ellen about, a lot of the photography boats and that, I think we were the picture on BBC News or something was the trust boat doing the round the island race. I was like, does it not bother you? And she's like, well, no, they can take as many photos as they like because it's free advertising. Mm. I was like, oh, that kind, like, kind of makes sense. She's like, you know, now it was really cool to see that she's like, no, I'd rather they take the photos. I'd rather us be on the, in the news around it because that then means that more people can come on trips. And I was like, I had never thought about it like that um, from her perspective. And, you know, that just shows that even from the kind of the, the top of the charity in that, it's all about how can they continue to help more and more people uh, in a more and more capacities, which is just keeps them to their core of what they're trying to do. And I know with other charities, you look at especially some of the larger ones in the UK, they kind of get in, you know, the youth cancer kind of field. They all get muddled in what they're trying to achieve. And I think that's what's very good about the trust is that it's very clear on its purpose and delivers on it. That's the most important thing. They're delivering consistently for people. Is, do you think your feelings are general? I, I would be surprised if they weren't. Yeah, um, yeah. Because I, you must talk about that that type of aspect on when you're on trips anyway. That, yeah. Uh, and you get a feel for it anyway, how the, how everyone's like, 
security or whatever or care is is working for them so it mm. but uh it's 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 been an eye opener for me to that particularly that aspect that because um i think sometimes you tend to just look at the pictures of sail training and think that's what it is sail training but it's not it's 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 more it's it's more inclusive and it's more encompassing and it's 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 bigger than that hmm. but it's also interesting that um that hasn't diluted the base focus yeah. which is folks like yourself which um needs a particular type of assistance yeah i think that's this the sailing is the the catalyst in the environment change that people need and that's i'm not trying to do the trust a disservice i'm sure if you put everyone in tree houses in the woods or something i'm sure it'd have a different impact but with a similar objective no doubt but i think it's the fact you're out in the fresh air i think personally for me is a huge thing i think you know people of my generation and that sit behind their screens too long and that that's a separate issue i think you know because also they make it accessible for everyone that and that's something fortunate. I don't worry about putting fuel in my car, but I know other people on the trips couldn't afford. So with the rail strikes, obviously it made it more complicated. But then the trust was like, no, don't worry, we'll, we'll get you here through hell or high water. And, you know, whether it be taxis or buses or whatever, we'll get you here. But that level of care is kind of, I don't, haven't ever heard anyone during the trips moaning about being on a trip. The odd bit where they've got seasick, which, <laughs> as you did, right? Um, touch, touch wood, that doesn't affect me. So, uh, uh, but yeah, it was just, it's just, you know, I've not heard anyone go, oh, I don't want to come back or oh, why am I here? It's kind of, you know, it's fascinating to see if you just step back on the dock after a day sailing, how it's almost like ants, ants going, scuttling around the different boats and that and, where they've made friends on other boats and that in the evening and how it all just kind of is just chaos but equally it's yeah I can only liken it to ants kind of popping their head out of one boat scuttering over to another and diving in it and I I think that's what a lot of people go for that kind of sense of adventure but also that kind of friendship and not having to think about their day-to-day lives I think that's what a lot of people look to to get out of it. Mm. There was a, a wonderful story I either read in the in, in the magazine or maybe it might have been at the BT Tower of a um, a mother and father who took their daughter to the um, to the quay, you know, to put her on board her first trip. And like um, she's wrapped in cotton wool, you know, they they they'd looked towards everything to make sure she had everything very carefully gently handed her over and and they said and then you know sort of like a week or a few days later they went back to the quay and um off came this sort of like mad sort of banshee type girl absolutely full of life and full of vim and vigor and and completely different and um, slightly tousled and not as well washed as she was before. And um, the nice thing was that uh, they got her in the back of the car and her mum said to her, did you, have you got your medication? 
And the girl looked blankly at her and she says, no, no, she said, mum, I forgot, I left it on the boat. And that is the fundamental thing, you know, all of a sudden from being her condition and her medication and everything else that goes around it, all of a sudden became secondary, which is, um, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a sort of telling story of, of, the, of the effect that it, it, it has. I think my experience is everyone on the trips has their own story to tell about each of their trips and you know everyone goes on the same trip as such but every trip's so individual it, it sounds really dumb but you know I was speaking to one of the girls who I sailed with on last trip and she was like do you remember this happening I'm like no she's like oh I must be okay I'm like no it probably happened but you know everyone's in their in their own own world as well as each other's that you know it's quite easy and it's quite funny how all these different experiences come together mm. i think my personal belief is the trust is quite unique in how it goes about meeting its objective and its goal that it's aiming for I, I don't it's so effective at meeting its objective genuinely don't know how they do it mm. seeing how other charities have struggled as well yet the trust is just so direct, but supportive in its directness. It, I just find it fascinating how, how amazing the trust is. Do you, do you feel the trust being a part of your life going forward? Do you feel you, because I suppose the, the scales of balance will change in that you needed them. Hmm. And maybe in, you're now thinking they might need me. Therefore, I could stay with them and work in a... Does that attract you? Yes, very much that long-term, the goal would be privately to get, you know, my sailing licences and that, and to be able to... Not, not I don't want to be a commercial skipper, that sense of it. It would just be to come back as a normal volunteer, you know, and, and that's what's nice about the Trust. I think they're very open to... If people want to come back and mm. help out or do whatever, you know, raise money from whatever, they're happy with that. But equally, there's there's no obligation for it. And I think that's, you know, it's up to individuals. Even I was in Iceland a couple of months ago and there was two guys driving a Land Rover to Iceland and back. <laughs> uh, we were in the middle of Reykjavik and uh, with some friends and that. And, you know, I was like... There's the, there's the trust logo and having a quick chat with him and that I'm like what the hell are you doing here like <laughs> all the places in the world and all my mates were like what are you going on about I'm like no that's the guys who go sailing the, the same charity go sailing with yet there's these these guys driving a Land Rover around Iceland yeah and I was like it just was like I don't know it was just kind of warm and it was like oh even out here you know they're still as far you think you've got quite far away from the trust but yet it's still very much there. Yes, yes, yes. So what the, the setup on the boat is is you have a skipper, but you don't have a bosun or anything like that, do you? So you have uh, you have a skipper, a first mate, and then a normally a graduate volunteer, and then sometimes a medic, sometimes not. There's, so of the four boats or five boats, there might be two or three medics spread across the boats, and then you have four um young people 
um, who kind of come back uh, on the trust trip. So, yeah, it's between three and four enablers or helpers of staff. Um, mm. And then, yeah. I was just, I just wondered whether the, um, the size of the boat actually is more beneficial because um, I know the John Lang and, um, and the new boat with the OYT, I mean, they're big boats and you're probably going to have maybe probably 10 people at the lower level, you know, like, and, and maybe you're going to have at least three watch keepers, a bosun and a skipper. But maybe you know the 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 beauty of the um, of the trust is is that they have smaller boats boats and maybe that um, makes the team building more more immediate and I mean you must be in each other's pockets anyway. Yeah, it's um I I I think personally for me the the numbers are about right. I, mm. I know that there's scales of economy in that, but you know I think I think they mainly sell between. 42 i think the trust boats are 44 foot benetos or something i think they mainly sell between 42 to 52 foot boats with eight to ten people on them i think you know for me if i was on a boat with 14 other people there's put it bluntly i think you'd get bored because there's a there's only so much you can do and you know and i think there's that kind of perfect number where if everyone wants to get involved the skipper doesn't have just has to stand at the back going uh you might want to go left a bit someone do this whereas if i think there's more of you on a boat it make that more difficult that you kind of just sit in but equally you know if you want to sit there and do nothing you can um it's not particularly in my nature but i know other people have enjoyed kind of just getting tired or whatever or don't fancy you know pulling sails and that all day so they can sit down and there's enough people on the boat to make light work but equally enough work to keep everyone busy mm. Mm. there's but, a fine line right yeah but therapy comes in different guises doesn't it yeah you know you have your way by getting involved and and getting stuff in and everything and other people are just feeling the calm and the peace of a little bit of isolation which they probably not had before because they you know their lives have been full of attention do this do that take this take that get in that machine whatever and um it 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 works different things for different folks yeah it's it's, a, it's amazing to see how yeah everyone gets something out of it at the end of the day of course of course yeah i've got a lot out of it i have I, it's been a real um I say an honour and, and and a pleasure to meet you, Josh. And um, I can't thank you enough, Scott, for um, putting it together for us. Um, it's Yes, I hope the, the trust has benefited from it, but I feel personally I have benefited from it as well. Thank, thank you, um, bluntly, thank you for, for donating and supporting the trust. We can't go sailing without you guys. So it's as important you exist as, as we do, um, but very, very uh, forwardly, um, you know, and it's been great to kind of help you understand what the trust does. And that is it for this week. Thank you so much to Josh and Stuart for that conversation. And of course, you two for listening in. Becoming a friend of the trust couldn't be easier. On our website, 
click the pink donate button in the top right and fill out the form. There will also be a paper form available in this year's Inspire magazine. You've heard from Josh the difference it makes if this is something you feel able to do. I hope you enjoyed being part of that conversation as much as I did. Soundwaves will be back next week. Until next time, take care.